So this is episode nine, and I want to address kind of the elephant in the room, which is something that I haven't talked too too much about in my uh, previous podcasts, and it is socialism spreading in America, and I mean this is so such a such an obvious thing, but I I never really thought about talking too much about it. Um, ju- you know, just because uh, it's so out there that I, I, I didn't think that um, it, it needed too much coverage. But I feel like the next few years are, are going to have more and more socialist policies. So I kind of wanted just to talk about the elephant in the room today and uh, kind of the history of how we got there, uh, why we're continuing to go there. Um, and, and what are the consequences that are going to, you know, happen if, if we keep on going down this path that, you know, we're clearly heading towards, um, at least, you know, if you look at the politics, I mean, we've been shifting towards socialism for the past hundred years or so. And so what's, what's, and this year, actually, it, it's been faster, a faster shift than probably any time in history, uh, especially since, you know, we're, we're, we're just giving checks to people um, directly from the government. And it's something that we've never done before. Uh, the United States has never done before. And you know, I'm in Canada, but when I say we, I'm either talking about Canada or the United States, but when I don't say Canada, I just mean the United States, because everybody talks about the United States. Nobody cares about Canada. <laughs> I'm sorry, Canadians, but no one really cares about Canada, and so I want to talk about the United States uh, mostly instead of Canada when I, when I say uh, we or something uh, regarding countries. But so, you know, in 2020, we've had two very, very large stimulus uh, programs. Uh, the last one was in, uh, the last one was $900 uh, dollar, or $900 billion, $900 billion uh, stimulus package. And uh, yeah, before that, we had a $2 trillion uh, package uh, in 2020, and, and this year we're getting a 1.9 trillion uh, stimulus again. And you know, the expansion of all of these policies, and you know, on it won't fit the Google term of socialism. So if you search up uh, the Google term of socialism, it will say. A political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. And, the, the, you know, that sounds kind of complicated. But it just means that the community as a whole basically controls the economy. Because, you know, the economy is made up of production, distribution, and exchange. Um, and so basically the community as a whole uh, dictates how the economy functions. Now, 
that's exactly what fiscal and monetary policy does. That dictates how the economy functions through government. Because, you know, fiscal policy, obviously, because people vote for their governments and then their governments do what the people want so they could get reelected, basically. And, uh, you know, that's what the, the majority, usually, of people want. And that's what usually people get. But, of course, uh, the, monetary pol- uh, the monetary policies aren't really voted for uh, in a democratic way. And, but, you know, you could argue that the Federal Reserve is not influenced by politics, but that's kind of just nonsense because, I mean, the, the Federal Reserve doesn't even make, uh, you know, it doesn't even keep any income. All, all of the uh, net income that the Federal Reserve makes, all the profit, goes right back to the federal government. And, you know, the Federal Reserve really does not care about creating wealth for itself. And it, its basic usage is to provide, well, I guess you could say provide, well, at least, at least now, it's to provide money for the government or to provide money for, you know, banks or to provide liquidity uh, or to, I mean, lower or raise interest rates, um, which would help lending or, or borrowing. But that's just still central planning. Now, it may not really fit the, the Google term of socialism, but, you know, you could essentially argue that it does because the people who you know, created and, you know, changed up and just rewrote the Federal Reserve Act. I mean, those guys were a part of government. And government are the people, the, you know, the people who are in government are the people that we voted for. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, whether it's fiscal, uh, fiscal policy or it's monetary policy, it's both an act of government, and it's both, they're both acts of, uh, well, they're both acts that are, that are voted for by the community as a whole. And, you know, all of these uh, bailouts, especially, uh, you know, we have all of these loan extensions, uh, we have like directly from the Federal Reserve. Well, not directly, but they use a special purpose vehicle. It's kind of like a, you know, you're you're basically kind of cheating your way out of it. Um there's really no difference from from what the Federal Reserve is doing from uh actually just directly lending money to companies because it's not legally allowed to directly loan money to companies but it's basically doing it anyways and there's really no difference it's just you know it could be interpreted as not doing it but if you look at it objectively and you're not just you know playing around with with wording then 
you know, what the Federal Reserve is doing through lending money to companies, privately owned companies, it's illegal. But, I mean, nobody cares that it's illegal because, of course, everybody wants companies to receive loans. Everybody wants bailouts in 2008, other than the, the guys on Reddit. But, you know, you know, most people, at least a lot of people, wanted the banks to be bailed out. And I, I don't think anybody sh should be bailed out because essentially what you're doing is, you know, you're... you're allowing the profits to be capitalistic, but you're socializing the losses. And so everybody's going to take excess risk. So you create this moral hazard, which is, you know, a fault of central planning and not capitalism, because if you take too much risk in capitalism, then, you know, there's a higher chance for you to fail. And so companies in, in, in the capitalist system where the government isn't promising to, to offer bailouts or, you know, at least not indicating that it will offer bailouts, you know, companies won't take excessive risk. And even if they do fail, well, then let them fail, right? Just, just like if an individual wanted to buy a lottery ticket, you know, they, they, they throw their life savings in lottery tickets. Well, they made a stupid move and they weren't lucky. Well, let them go broke because they're responsible for their decisions. They're responsible for their actions. But of course, governments come in and they're basically like, okay, uh, you lost all of your money. So we'll just make up your losses. You know, we'll just give you free money and make up, your, make up for your losses because in our version of phony capitalism, no one loses. <laughs> and so that's a, great way to, that's a great way to get votes because everybody likes a system where everybody can win or at least everybody has a chance of winning, but nobody has a chance of losing. But that's not capitalism. Capitalism, you do have a chance of winning and losing. And I think that's one reason why so many people like socialism, because they hate losing. And, and, you know, you could argue that you can't really lose in socialism, but you can't win in socialism, and so you're stuck at the bottom. And so what good is it to be stuck at the bottom while in, social, uh, while in capitalism, you know, you have a lot of people who are, you know, middle in the middle, I guess, uh, you have a few people in the bottom and you have a few people at the top, right? Whereas socialism, everybody's at the bottom and nobody can and nobody has the opportunity to go to the top. And I think a big reason why we've shifted to this, you know, socialistic uh, type of economy is, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because Whenever we have a crisis, you know, whenever it's a government-caused uh, crisis, or it's just a natural crisis, or it's just, you know, a war, or, you know, a disease like what we have now, the powers of government expand exponentially every single time. 
you know, whenever we have this crisis or whatever. You know, uh, in the Civil War, right, governments borrowed money, and then after the war was finished, there was inflation. Um, now, I think there's uh, more reason than, there, there were more reasons than government borrowing for the inflation, but, you know, in the Civil War, the expansion of government, the expansion of socialism, uh, wasn't that large. <clears throat> and I want to say that socialism uh, and central planning in a sort of democratic system, which we have uh, in America and even more so in Canada, uh, uh, central planning in a democratic system is socialism because the community as a whole gets to decide. So, you know, if you're voting for a minimum wage, that is socialism. Because, you know, the only way you get to have a minimum wage is if people vote for it. And if the community as a whole votes for it, well, then that exactly fits the definition of socialism. Uh, and so, you know, in the Civil War, the expansions of socialism wasn't uh, too much. But once we got to World War I, uh, in 1913, actually, we got both the federal income tax and we got the Federal Reserve Act. And those were two very big things that uh, today we, we, you know, they're, they're just second nature to us. You know, we have them here and we, we fully accept their existence. And t to be fair, back then when they were first developed, they weren't that bad. You know, I, I suppose that not having them would, be, would still be uh, slightly better than having them back then or maybe not even at all. Maybe, maybe having them and not having them, you know, there isn't even that big of a difference. But today, there's a huge difference. And I think in the short run, both of them, you know, whether it's the federal income tax or it's the minimum wage, I think in the short run, they're both, or not the minimum wage, but the Federal Reserve Act, I think in the short run, they're both great things. They're both going to, you know, boost the economy, they're both going to, let government give out free, you know, free stuff, free entitlements. But in the long run, it's not going to end up. It's not going to end up well, because the you know Federal Reserve's just buying up all of the U.S. bonds, all the U.S. debt, um, and it's kind of slowed down now. Although it's still it's still going, but it's slowed down now, or at least it's not going fast enough to lower yields on treasuries and that's what you're seeing uh that's what you're seeing in the markets right now but uh back to the back to the uh historical just big events you know after the after world war 1 we had world war 2 well actually we had the great depression which was another huge huge uh just run over Sorry, that's not a word, actually. A, a huge, huge rollout of big government policies, big regulations, 
Um, and of course, those fall under the category of socialism. Um, at least to a very large extent they do, because, you know, you elected FDR, and now FDR does what you want, and now you get what you want, at least you get what you think you want. And of course, uh, with FDR, we got the New Deal, uh, we got Social Security, and, you know, Social Security is... Yeah, you know, a lot of people say, say it's great because, you know, at first it was basically, you know, insurance. And it was for those people who uh, could not work in the future. And so you could still get, I guess, a source of revenue uh, in the future if you couldn't work. So, uh, so it had uh, retirement benefits survivors, benefits, and disability insurance. But right now, it's basically just a retirement system, okay? Like, and it's not, uh, it's not able to generate enough revenue to pay back its contributors. And so you have basically the, the social security system uh, taking in all this money and giving out more money than, than it's able to bring in. And so what you get from that is it's just boring, boring, boring more money from more people, but it's actual the actual amount of money that it has is less and less. And so it's basically borrowing money, taking in money, promising to pay the people back, but its ability to pay decreases. And so you kind of have this, this, this Ponzi scheme, and I know a lot of people like to use the word Ponzi scheme, but that's kind of what it is, except it's run by government. And so it's a government-backed Ponzi, Ponzi scheme that theoretically cannot fail, and politically it would be extremely, you know, inexpedient for it to fail and so I don't think any politician in office would allow it to fail when they're you know when it's on their term so I think you know we're going to get through this <laughs> failure of socialism by implementing more socialism and that's kind of what we've uh, got gotten for a very very long time and, you know, it's estimated that we have, what, $160 trillion worth of unfunded liabilities uh, if you calculate its net present value. So, you know, basically that means the future entitlements that we have to pay for is worth $160 trillion. <laughs> but there's no way that we have that much money because, you know... What's the U.S. GDP in uh, 2020, for example? It was, you know, it's only 20 trillion. So we have 160 trillion dollars worth of unfunded liabilities, and of course we're going to have way more uh, programs in the future, and the ability for the uh, for the government to spend will decrease. Well. Actually, I think it's going to increase, but the 
uh, at the very least, its debt is going to increase significantly. And we're kind of running based off of the hope that no one really wants, no one really wants their money to be paid back. And you know, if, if it's the Federal Reserve holding that debt, I guess they don't want to be paid back because it doesn't matter if they're paid back or not because they're essentially holding U.S. Uh, treasuries or bills, uh, you know, bonds or bills at zero percent interest. Because all the interest they make on them, they pay back to the federal government. And so, of course, the unfunded liabilities, you know, there's Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. And the, the likelihood that it will, they will all be honestly paid back for through normal taxation is just, near, uh, it's just nearly impossible. And, of course, FDR also came out with the minimum wage that we're seeing now, you know, the uh, Biden wants it to, to go to 15. And, you know, I think the minimum wage, the whole concept is, you know, it's a, it's a flawed concept that everyone just accepts. Um, I think most countries have a minimum wage. I think Singapore doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think Hong Kong has minimum wage. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, something with Hong Kong is that <laughs> now that now that it's uh, more so a part of China, the, the economic freedom index from Hong Kong, uh, for Hong Kong, went from, uh, like, number one in the world to like 90 something to like 93 or something and you know that just shows that uh when you you know when it no longer functions uh, in a two uh in a one country two system environment you know a lot of your freedoms uh in these countries kind of just disappear but uh, you know, back to the socialism side, I'm drifting off to way too many uh, to way too many random topics. Um, right. So we have all these uh, just entitlement programs that are sucking money like crazy, and of course, in, in, in coming back to more recent years, uh, in 2008, QE was a completely new thing, and People were terribly worried there was going to be inflation, um, but they didn't really realize that QE alone is not inflationary. Now, what we're getting now, which is QE plus all of this fiscal spending, um, that is inflationary. But we also have a lot of deflationary forces too. Uh, but but in two thousand eight, you know, we had big bailouts, which all the Reddit guys were, well, at least I think that's their main, well, I don't think that's their main motive to punish the, the guys who got bailed out, but I think uh, that's what they claim to be their, their, their motive. I think the real motive is, is well, to, to get rich. I think that's 
the main motive of a lot of people who are investing, if not everybody who's investing. But, you know, Reddit, uh, okay, actually, I don't want to go on to Reddit because I could, uh, not, not, I mean, the Reddit stocks, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, but I'm pretty sure the stocks are getting volatile again, uh, the GameStop and everything. Um, and, of course, you know, the Dodd-Frank Act that we got in 2008 basically made banks, you know, they, they, they regulated banks so much that banks are, I mean, they're, they're just much less profitable. And uh, they, they actually first put a 10% reserve requirement but they removed that in 2020. And 2020 is the year, basically, of the most socialism we've got, gotten in probably the history of America. If, if, if well, you could technically argue that um, during the Great Depression it was, there was more. But I guess there was more relative to what they had, uh, but not more in, you know, in, in it, they had more socialism in, in relative terms, but not in um, just pure, uh, just a pure increase. If you're just looking at, uh, you know, whatever inflation adjusted numbers and policies and uh, this type of stuff. But, you know, what you see in 2020, you see a lot. Well, first of all, the government's locking everybody down. And if you're going to lock everybody down, you kind of have to give them something. I mean, you know, there, it's this dilemma. Do you want to uh, just lock everybody down and not give them any, any money? Because that's not going to work out well. Now, I don't think people should be locked down. I think, um, you know, businesses should be able to decide whether they want to stay open or not. People should be able to decide whether they want to go out or not. And, of course, this might increase your risk of COVID, but that's also a good reason why you shouldn't go out um, and not just rely on the government to force you not to go out. Because here's the thing. If, if a business is losing all its customers because of COVID, then there's a good chance that it won't stay in business anyways, even if the government doesn't you know, force their business to close or, you know, even if the government doesn't force employees to lose their jobs. And that way you don't really have to go out and give everybody checks, everybody checks. But at the same time, you know, some people are just going to need money. And you could kind of blame a lot of central banking for why everybody is so in need of money because they're so indebted. Because we've had incredibly low interest rates ever since 2008. Now, since a lot of these problems are created by central planners, and it's hard to see that people will want less of the central planning in the future, because the more you get people addicted to, to this, you know, free stuff, 
the more people need it. It's not even necessarily the more people want it, but it's people will need it because, you know, the government messed up the whole system and now you can't go back. And, and so a lot of people want to go forward, but forward is a, it, it's the worst way to go. And I guess you could kind of go back, but that would, you know, result in some type of instant collapse, which would, you know, be very, very painful in the short term. But in the long run, it's going to, to be wonderful. Now, if we keep up this, you know, this, this central planning central planned capitalism, then I think in the short run, we could, you know, get flowers and rainbows. But when the bill comes due, we're going to have a lot of issues. And when you're looking at all of the debt, uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking only about personal, about corporate debt, but I'm talking also about just the federal debt, the um, state debt, it, it's mind-blowing how, you know, we've gotten away with it for so long. But, you know, we have to thank the foreigners for funding our just massive spending, just reckless, irresponsible spending. And, you know, when the foreigners want their money back, <laughs> we're going to have some trouble paying it. And so if if we don't default, which is politically inexpedient, we're probably going to print our way out of it. 